Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 307. What you've got to get to your website is the right traffic, the right customer to come, and then they are way more likely to buy. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and I'm so happy that you're joining me here today. Have you heard the news? As a handmade product maker, you create the most beautiful, delicious, and life-enhancing products. I'm so impressed with your talent, and you always put a smile on my face when I see your newest creations. I'm always watching, and I'm also always listening. Let me back up here for a second. In our Facebook group, Gift Biz Breeze, you know this and have seen this if you're already there, I asked what you need help with the most right now, and you totally surprised me. It wasn't email marketing, it wasn't doing video, or any other number of topics that make up a solid growing business. Nope, what you overwhelmingly are asking for is help with social media posting. Because I was so surprised at your response, I really needed to know more. That's when you told me that you're putting in the time, you're posting frequently, maybe even every day, And you're discouraged because you aren't seeing any of this move the needle for your sales. I hear your frustration. Some of you have even told me you're at the point of just throwing in the towel on social media altogether. Wait, please don't do that. Here's the thing. Some adjustments are needed. That's all. You see, putting in more time posting in the same way isn't going to magically bring you the sales. You need to change the way you're posting and what you're posting. You don't need to put in more work. You need to put in the right work. And that's when things will change. So based on all your comments and my follow-up conversations, I've created your solution. It's called Content for Makers and is specially created for handmade product makers like you. Because when you get your posting strategy and topics right, everything else falls into place. Content for Makers will enlighten you as to why your current social media activities aren't converting into sales. It'll also show you how to put in less time and start seeing activity that will lead to increased sales. Just imagine a day where you know exactly what to post and get it done in less than five minutes. Then you interact with potential clients, deepen relationships with those you already know, and all of this just continues to build upon itself naturally. Yes, this is possible. Content for Makers includes a step-by-step strategy to formulate your unique plan based on your business and your products. Then you'll get 375 social media prompts, so over a full year of ideas, along with the 375 prompts, come 375 image suggestions, so you're not left hanging on the creative. These prompts and image suggestions can be used for all platforms and all types of posting. Images, live streaming, reels, even email topics but that's not all. Posts aren't going to work if the right people aren't seeing them. So you'll also receive a video and worksheet on how to choose the right hashtags. This is the way to attract the right people who are most likely to become your customers. Most people are doing this all wrong. There's more to Content for Makers, too. To see all the details, jump over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash content for makers. But honestly, at only $27, it's a no-brainer. Why carry on posting as you've been doing all along, expecting different results? 
Sign up for Content for Makers now and see the transformation of your posting experience change right before your very eyes. giftbizunwrap.com forward slash content for makers. Ready and waiting for your instant access right now. Go ahead, pause this podcast for a second and come back right after. It's that worth it. Let's move on and talk about today's show, shall we? Business struggles. As you just heard, the biggest one is how to post on social media to get the ultimate result, meaning sales, of course. An integral part of this, though, is where you direct people to go when they want to buy. And the ultimate location will always be your website. Now, to be clear, that doesn't mean Etsy or Facebook shops because these aren't sites that you control. It's like the difference between owning a home and renting. In your own home, you're in control. You can add on, decorate, and pretty much do whatever you want. When you rent your apartment or home, you're limited by the restrictions put on tenants. It doesn't mean it's bad. It's a great stepping stone or an additional stream of income for your business when you start off on Etsy, Facebook shops, any of those already constructed online platforms. But as I said before, the ultimate goal, the one you should be striving to reach, is to have your own website. Today, we're going to be talking about how to get that done. Make sure to listen to the whole show because at the end, We get into Matt's direction on verb, objective, sexiness. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Matt Edmondson. Matt is a real-world e-commerce entrepreneur and coach, a digital business guy who has had more failures than successes. It's just that his successes have far outweighed his failures. He's the creator of the Jam Jar Course and the e-commerce class. He also hosts the e-commerce podcast. Matt's goal is to show aspiring entrepreneurs sure and simple steps to getting a digital business off the ground and seasonal entrepreneurs how to take their business to the next level. Matt, we need you so much. Welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Well, that was an intro. Thanks. So it's great to be here. Really great to be here. (laughs) We were talking a little in the pre-chat that I was like, the time is now. This is perfect. Yay, you're here. (laughs) Yeah, the time is now like that for such a time as this, right? Exactly. But before we get into it, I want to have my listeners get to know you on a little bit of a deeper level, kind of a creative way, and that is through motivational candle. Ah. So if you were to envision this candle that really would resonate with you, like you went into a candle factory and could create anything you wanted, share with us what your candle would look like. Okay, sure. The glass of the candle basically would be the Union Jack the flag, the red, white and blue of Britain. And I just love it. I mean, I live in the UK, as you can probably tell by my accent. I just love the Union Jack. I don't know what it is about that flag. I I wouldn't say it's because I'm overly patriotic. I just really like the design of it. So yeah, it would be very British, Sue would be the answer. All right, perfect. And is there a quote or a mantra or something you would put on the candle? Well, I think that, yes, there would be. Can I have seasonal candles? That would be my question. Go for it. This is yours. You get to do what you want. (laughs) Okay. So I tend to find, like most people, my life goes in seasons. And the season that I'm in, the quote that is sticking in my head at the moment, or the question, maybe, let me put it that way. I'd put a question on the candle. And the question is simply this, what's the story? Because I find at the moment, this is the question I'm asking myself over and over and over again in everything that I'm doing. What's the story? Especially when I'm talking with people, just being that kind of investigative journalist trying to uncover the story uh, to try and understand people better. So what's the story behind any situation you're in? Like you're meeting somebody new or you're in a certain situation and you're trying to understand by context what's going on, just anywhere. What's the story? Yeah, exactly. And so the last time I was literally on a call very, very recently and talking with a potential client who actually is going to be worth a lot of money for the business, but having a conversation with them, what they were asking for and what they actually wanted were two different things. And in my head all the time, I'm going, what's the story here? 
And so as we dug into their story, we started to understand their requirements a lot better. And now we're like, okay, actually what you thought you wanted is this, but what you really want is this. And that actually opened the door to a whole fascinating conversation that we would never have had had I have just not asked that question. That makes so much sense. And it actually brings the end result that will actually move them forward. Yeah, absolutely. Just brings to mind to me that so often we think we know what we're needing, but we're not connecting it with the right result. I mean, that's a place we may even, I'm not going to say waste money, but not get the intent that we have put an investment in because we really got to make sure that the connection is right. What we're asking for is going to bring the result we're wanting. Exactly. Everyone talks story now, so I'm sure we're going to get into that a little bit, I'm guessing, with website development. So I'll leave that there for the time being. But share with me how you became interested in all of online, e-commerce, all of that. A little path to where you are today, please. (laughs) A little path. A little path. A little path. Well, to be honest with you, Sue, like most people, I kind of ended up here by accident. It was not by design. And it was just a really unique opportunity presented itself to me back in 1998. I was working for another guy. And a friend of mine wanted a website for his church, actually. He came and said, listen, I need a website. I've heard of these things called websites. Can you build one? I'm like, I have no idea how to do that. But if you buy the software, I'll figure it out. And so that started a journey into the digital space just off the back of that conversation, which has been crazy. So I've been involved specifically in e-commerce since 2002. We launched our first e-commerce website back then. This whole idea of being able to make money while I was asleep really intrigued me. And so we got into e-commerce as early as 2002. I set up my first business then and actually sold it within six months. It was doing so well, we sold it to the suppliers I was buying products from, funnily enough. And since then, we've sort of set up multiple businesses, most of which, as you quite rightly pointed out in the introduction, have failed. But we learn something from every failure, don't we sort of carry on? And here I am all these years later, almost 20 years later, still in e-commerce and living every minute of it. Well, you must have from the very beginning to keep going, because way back then, it was a much harder task than I think maybe it is today. You have so many more tools that you can just enhance the websites with, I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, in some respects, yes. Back then, I mean, this is... You had to write code, right? Yeah, exactly. I had to develop and design the whole thing. And I'm not what you'd call a natural coder. In fact, we have a whole development team now that works for us and none of them will let me loose on the code. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very, very different place right now. So in one sense, it was trickier, but of course, the competition was a lot less back then. Oh, good point. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot easier to get a sale. It was a lot easier to get number one on Google. It was, do you know what I mean? And these things have got progressively harder as you journey through the whole thing. It's, you know, swings and roundabouts. Well, I am so with you on coding. I took a coding class in college, and it was back when you were still doing the card decks for coding, and (laughs) I dropped it. It's the only class, only thing I think I've ever said, not for me, not happening, (laughs) and I decided to take something different. Yeah, yeah. I can't blame you. I've not done coding for years, and I'm just like, there's no way. I see the (laughs) stuff now, and I'm like, it's just insane. But I'm sure that gives you a base of knowledge and a reference point that a lot of people who are just starting now building e-commerce sites wouldn't have. Yeah, it does. And it what it does, I think more than anything, is it gives you the ability not to be phased by the conversation. And what I mean by that is when you talk to a developer, they like to use language which just is confusing, right? Mm. And they like to use acronyms and letters and stuff to try and describe what's possible. The thing that I'm grateful for is I have the ability to be able to interpret that into actual real modern day, everyday language that people can understand. Makes total sense. Let's dive into this a little bit in terms of relating to our listeners here. This past year, it has become very evident that if we haven't had a website, we needed one. And lots of crafters who were out doing craft shows, because that is the way they always sold, face-to-face with booths every single weekend, that was their life, all of a sudden were shut down and maybe threw up a website really quickly. We also have people who are listening who have a website up, but it's not really performing for them because the products are sitting there. Why isn't anybody coming and buying? (laughs) You know, all (laughs) these different things. Yeah. If someone were coming to you for the first time, to the point of they know they need a website, obviously, right? But what's that first conversation you would have with them? 
Oh, geez. Very good question. So there's six elements of e-commerce that you have to think about. And so whenever someone comes to me, I always start with the first one. And this is every conversation I have. And that is, tell me about your product. Every good e-commerce business starts with a product that people want to buy. Now, if you've got somebody who is going around crafting stores and is making a pretty good living going to these sort of shows and presenting their craft and people love it and they buy it, well, it tells me you've actually got a product that people will want to buy. The question you've got to ask, is there a big enough demand for this online? Yes or no, right? Because you can have the most beautiful website in the world and all the traffic in the world, but if nobody wants to buy your product, it's not going to help you. I've seen really bad looking websites perform exceptionally well because they had really good products. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing you've got to get right, and it's the first mistake everybody makes. Everybody's like, I've got to get my website looking pretty and beautiful. What you've got to do is make sure you have a product that people want to buy fundamentally. And so I see it all the time. I see people, there was a big phase a few years ago where people would go to AliExpress or similar sites in China and they would buy or they'd find products like sunglasses. Do you know what I mean? Cheap sunglasses for like a couple of bucks. They'd put up a website, they'd put the sunglasses on there and sell them for 20 bucks, but they'd get drop shipped from China. So the company in China would send them out once the sale had been made. And everybody thought this was going to be the fast way to make profit. But of course, nobody wanted to buy the product. Why would I want to buy those sunglasses for $15? There was nothing distinctive about the products. There was nothing out of the ordinary about them. So they didn't want to buy them. Oh my gosh, you and I are on the exact same wavelength. Do you know I have a course that helps someone validate if their product can actually be monetized? Well, there you go. Go do that course then would be my first comment. <laughs> yeah, take my course. It's called Start With Confidence. And virtually what it does, I mean, as makers, which is mostly what our listeners are doing as they're making their product, of course they love it or they wouldn't be making it. And friends and family buy because they want to be supportive. But when you start going out to a general audience who it's true marketability or not, like either people are really going to like it or they're not without any emotional connection to you, that's where you have to start. So I am so right in line. And I will say also to people, because some people might be right now saying, oh my gosh, like how am I even going to know? Because maybe that's the reason why no one's buying. It could be a reason. It's what you just started with. But there are also ways to tweak your product. It doesn't mean like, okay, no one's buying my blank, whatever it is. You may just need to tweak it, adjust it. There may just be something that needs a little bit of refining where then it becomes attractive to a market. Exactly. Love that. But most people don't talk about that. And that's fundamental. And I agree totally with you. You'll buy it. Your friends will buy it. Your mum will buy every last one of you because she's your mum, right? And that's what mums do. But I always have this saying, your mum is not the best person to go for to get business advice, right? She's just not. She loves you too much to see the actual reality of what's going on. And so I think you're right. Spending the time figuring out, coming back to what's the story? What's the story for my customer? What is it that they actually want? Figuring that out and spending the time in the early doors to make sure your product is right is going to save you so much heartache later down the line. That's a really good point that you said, and it was a little subtle, so I want to underline it too. You were saying, what's the story for your customer? So I'm thinking you want two stories. You want your story of why you started, but you also want the story of why it's a benefit for your customer. So both sides. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing, sort of getting into story. When it comes to your customers, they are interested in your story, but they don't really care about it. They care deeply about their story. So this is why it's super important for you to understand the whole situation from their point of view. Put yourself in their shoes, sit on their side of the table. You know, all these sort of cliched sayings that we have. But once you understand their story, you can present your product or your service in such a way that totally resonates and connects with them. So if I was just starting out, I don't have any customers yet. How do I know their story? It's another great question. So. If you've been going around craft fairs, you will know what their stories are. I mean, this is where this is beautiful source of information. You just ask them, you talk to them, you get to know people and find out what's going on. But this is where I think you have to do the time. You've got to do the legwork in research. So just going around the internet, looking at similar products, what are people saying? What are they putting in reviews on other people's websites? So 
if I'm doing crafts and I'm selling a particular product, I am going to go to sites like Etsy and find out what other products which are on there are similar to mine. I'm going to look at the information. What kind of photographs have they done? How many reviews have they got? What are the people saying in the reviews, both the five-star ones and the one-star ones? What are some of the language which is coming out that I can understand and I can pick up on? And by doing that, just that simple thing alone, just from reading reviews, you'll start to build up a real good picture of your customer's story. So reviews of customers who are saying they love the product, what words are they using? What is the reason they're saying why they love the product? So the product specific, not just like fast delivery, (laughs) things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Like you'll hear things like, I love the way this feels in my hand or this smells fantastic or it reminds me of when I was back in high school. Or Do you know what I mean? There's going to be this sort of emotive language, which is sort of getting below the surface and you can start to pick it out and go, that's really interesting. Why would they say that? And you start to delve and dig a little bit deeper, but don't just do it on the people that give the five star reviews. Look at the complaints as well, because in the complaints, in the bad reviews, you're going to find out what's missing. So one writes a bad review because oh, it smells awful, right? Okay, well, that's something that's missing is if I'm going to do this product, I need to make sure that it has a really good smell because obviously a lot of people are complaining about this. Right. It's a little hole for you to slip into and fill the void. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm feeling like this would be a good exercise for all of us to do from time to time. Yeah. Go in and just look around and see, because it's great wording for social media posts, ads, website copy, all of that. You've hit the nail right on the head there, Sue, because I run my own e-commerce businesses, right? And so one of the things that I do on a regular basis is I will go and visit my competitors' websites and I'll go and look at the reviews that people are saying. And I want to look through the comments, find out what's present, what's missing. What can I use? What can I capitalize on? What can I take advantage of? What's going to give me the edge from those reviews? And I love what you just said about social media and about content, because this is a big issue, isn't it? A lot of people saying, I don't know what to put up on my website. I don't know how to write about it. You write about it in a way that resonates with your customer's story. So if they're writing things like this smells divine, then actually on my website under the product, I would have a heading, this smells divine, with a photograph of someone smelling it and feeling content. I'd have a paragraph of text about how it smells describing it, because that's obviously important for that particular product. Oh, that's so valuable. Thank you. This has been a great conversation about that. And we're only just beginning. (laughs) (laughs) But that shows, to your point, that a lot of the early work, if you put the time in, everything then starts to fall in place as you move forward. It drives everything, to be honest with you. So once you understand the product and you've done that research, you've gone, you've looked at the reviews, you're starting to understand the customer's story. You can use words like persona or avatar, and you're starting to build up this kind of image of the potential customers and what they want. That point, you can then move on to the next stage, which is to think about the website. But you can understand why we start where we start, because if you don't know that information, well, your whole website could be entirely wrong in the way that it's built, in the way that it sort of flows, in the way that it communicates and connects. But because you know your customer, you know what's important to them. Well, then actually you can go, no, no, the website needs to function like this. It needs to kind of look like this. So if my customer is a 35-year-old married lady, then that's going to look a certain way than if I'm aiming at men in their 20s. Do you see what I mean? So now I'm starting to gather this information and I'm kind of bringing this forward and going, okay, this is going to help me determine the next phase, which is the website. But you can't jump into the website until you've done that first part. Right. So we're talking here about the aesthetics of the website. So the colors, the fonts, the wording, the images, all of that needs to align with what you've learned, who your customer is and what they care about. Exactly. Right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. A big question that comes up, and I think this is appropriate to ask right here, is I hear from a lot of people that they get stuck about all the different platforms that are available. Sure. So we're talking product-based businesses. Perhaps we could talk about several of the options that are available. Absolutely. Sure. Are there any specific platforms you want to cover? Well, Shopify is my all-time favorite. I have two different websites. One's on Shopify and one's a WordPress site for the podcast and blog articles and all of that. I'm using both of those platforms. I don't think right now we need to talk about things like Etsy or any of that because that's not really a platform that you own. 
Yeah. So I think we go with things that are created that are your own platforms. I know a lot of people have been on Wix. I mean, there's so many platforms out there. So can you kind of help us figure out what would be best or what we should be looking for in a platform? Absolutely. So I think, again, the answer to this question lies in what's your customer going to want, right? There's two ways you can approach it. You can look at platforms and go, which one do I like? Or you can look at platforms and go, which one's going to work best for my customer? And if you can find the answer to the second question, it's much, much better because you can learn just about any platform if you put the time and energy in. That said, Shopify is a brilliant platform. I've used it many times. My own e-commerce businesses in the past, years ago, I would always use a Shopify site. I would set it up. It was quick. It was easy. And I could test relatively inexpensively whether or not that website was going to work and whether or not it was going to resonate with the customer. They have a lot of plugins which you can buy which enables you to sort of adapt the site to how you want it i remember doing a website we called it coco box it never really took off but this is one of my failures i suppose coco box was an interesting website we wanted to do this sort of website where you could subscribe to chocolate and we would send you chocolate once a month but we sold the idea to men to buy on behalf of their partners if that makes sense so this would be a gift that would arrive in the mail, like once a month, beautifully wrapped for your lady friend. And inside there, we would also put like, a, as well as a chocolate, we put like a little card saying, use this card, it's like a voucher, use this card anytime and we will go on a walk in the rain in our Wellington boots or something like that. Do you know what I mean? It was, they were kind of quirky little days. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah. And I think it's probably a bit ahead of its time. But what I wanted to do was to test whether or not this was going to work. So the first thing I did was we put it on Shopify. We shot a video. We put the video up and we put the site up on Shopify. And I needed a plugin which enabled me to do that subscription element of it. And Shopify was great because there's a whole bunch of options in terms of plugins that I could just drop and make work. So I do like Shopify. It's not great if you're doing international markets, I don't think. And it's not particularly flexible. I imagine for the majority of people doing craft, though, flexibility is not really what you need. And Shopify would be a good out-of-the-box solution, especially if you're just starting out. I know you say it's easy to learn, but people who aren't really tech savvy and don't have the time, quite honestly, to learn something like that, like they're certainly not going to go and start from scratch and build a WordPress website themselves. No. They would have to hire out. But Shopify could be a good platform for that type of person who wants something professional. They have the themes. So I call it a template-driven website. I don't know if you'd agree with me. Yeah. I mean, there is some flexibility, but you can go in and do this yourself on Shopify if you wanted to. Yeah, absolutely you can. And that's some of the raving benefits of Shopify. I mean, coming back to WordPress and Wix, I would never use them for e-commerce. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't go there. I would just scratch them straight off your list. I think I would look at Shopify. I would look at a platform called Squarespace. I think those templates are actually really quite nice. Mm -hmm. And I would look at those two. We have our own platform now. Oh. I kind of, because we wrote our, all the original e-commerce websites, we've developed our own platform over the last 20 years. And so it was great if it was a super advanced website, but now actually we've developed a startup version. And so whenever I start an e-commerce business, I use a platform called Curious Digital and that's also great. There are pros and cons to any of these things. I think my advice to you would be simply this, right? Go to Shopify, go to Squarespace and just sign up for the free trials, have a play, see what works for you. But also remember this, right? You've got to do, make it work for your customers. So go and find out how this could work for your customer. So if your customer is going to need a lot of video on the website, can your website platform do that, right? Will Shopify do that? Will Squarespace do that? Have a look, have a play, see what's required, and then you can make some decisions. Yeah, I like that. I've been telling people because they get so overwhelmed that before you even go and look at anything, make your list kind of like a shopping list of what you need. You obviously need to have a place where you can show your products. You need a shopping cart so people can buy. You probably want back-end analytics that are going to tell you the story so that you can adjust video, like you just said. So have a few of the make or break, I must have things that you need, and then go look at the websites and see how well they match up with your list. So that's what I've been telling people, but I'm starting to feel like now 
all these platforms have all these things. Is that right? Yes. If we go with the Pareto principle that if you take something like Shopify, it's going to have pretty much everything that you need or there's going to be a way to expand it if you're starting out your business, right? It's great for those business startups. It really is. The speed at which it works is great. I think there are some issues around it. And this is where I like your idea of the checklist. Is it going to do what your checklist needs it to do? Yes or no? You've got to build that out. And that checklist you will build by looking, I think, at your competitors' websites. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can look at social media, for example. If I had a competitor, I would go to their Facebook profile and I would see what all the customer complaints are saying on that profile because you'll find out very quickly, oh, your website's hard to use on a mobile device. Well, okay, so I need to make sure that my website works well on a mobile. Okay, brilliant. So when I come to look at a template or when I come to look at Shopify, does this work well on a mobile? Yes or no? That's what I need to know. If the answer is no, then okay, I'm I'm on to the next one. What's going to work? And so having your checklist is super important. Let your customer research drive that checklist is my advice. All right. We're not going to get into how you build and develop a whole website. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that would be a long and boring podcast. But I like what you're talking about. Go to websites that you already like and see how they're put together. Now, you want it to be a product-based site, but see how the flow is. You can take not to copy, but to inspire. So that could be helpful versus, you know, it's kind of like when people started writing blogs at first, it's like a blank piece of paper. What do I do here? (laughs) You know, if you have your checklist and then you've seen a couple of websites that you just really like the feel and to your point, Matt, it aligns with what your customer is needing and wanting. So it's all in sync. Then you can kind of use that as a guideline of what you'd like to do on your own. Exactly. Okay. So we've got our website up. I do have one quick question though. Products versus service-based businesses. Yeah. You know how a lot of product-based businesses, I don't know if this is right or wrong, so I'm just putting an image out there. They have their products right away on the first page, like almost their whole product inventory just lined up right there versus what you see more often in service-based where they take you on a little bit of a journey about what the product is, not too much. And then they maybe put several of the best-selling products on that homepage. What's your feeling about those two different approaches? Yeah, I think there's a place for both. But again, I think if I bring it back to what's the story for my customer, okay? So if someone's coming to my website and my homepage and I'm just starting out, the chances are they don't know who I am. They don't know anything about me, the company. They maybe even don't know a whole great deal about the product. My homepage is going to look very different for that person than if the person coming to, say, my e-commerce website at the moment. Well, we have a high return visitor rate, so they're familiar with the website, so they know what's going on. So again, that kind of drives the information that I'm going to put on the homepage. The way to think about your homepage is literally a signpost. Okay, so whenever I go for walks in the countryside, you see these wonderful signs in the British hills where they say New York, 3,761 miles, and they point to the direction where New York is, or London is 186 miles this way. And they've got these amazing signposts which sort of point to Hong Kong and London or wherever. And in effect, your homepage is like that signpost in the field. You want to use that to point your customers or your potential customers into the right direction. You don't want people to stay on your homepage. You want people to get off it and into your website as quickly as possible. So the way that you're going to do that is you're going to think very clearly and carefully about your customer coming to your website. What are the big questions in their head? What do they want to know? And how do I get them to answer that question as quickly as is humanly possible? So they're going to want to know, who are you? How are you going to change my life? And what do I need to do next? Why should I care? How do I benefit? All of these key questions. And so if you can answer those straight away on your homepage and point people into the right direction, that's the key to a successful homepage. And however you lay that out needs to be based around your customers. Got it. And you need to have some type of image or something so that people know the second that they get there what your product is. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of this is one of the top tips. We're going to get into a little bit of the detail. Uh, Not too much, but a little bit. Mm -hmm. So the first section of your homepage is called the hero. 
Okay, so this is the name we have in the industry terms. It's called the hero section. And it refers to the first that people see of your website before scrolling down. Okay, so without having to scroll anywhere, that section there is the most valuable real estate on your website, the hero section. So in that section, I would suggest that you have a clear image. Okay, and when I say clear, I mean good resolution, not dodgy resolution, but a good clear image. That image needs to be of several things. It could be of your product. Make sure it's a well-taken photo. And you can do that with most smartphones these days. But a well-taken photograph or ideally a photograph of your ideal customer, your avatar, the person that's typically going to buy from you. So if I go back to my example, if the person coming to my website is typically going to be 35-year-old women, then I want to make sure that in my hero, I've got a 35-year-old woman holding or using my product in a way that makes them happy, right? So you instantly convey that message in your hero. So you've got the image, you need a headline, right? You need a heading and that heading needs to convey all of this information, right? So we have this formula, if you like, that I think most people can use on their website, which it goes like this, okay? So the first part is verb, the second is your object, and the third part is your sexiness, okay? What I mean by that is, let's take Netflix as an example. I think they're a classic example of doing this really well. Their headline for the longest time, they had a family on the couch, so that was their hero image, right? They were aiming at families, watching film together, doing family time, you know, all the things that we wish we could do as families. That was their image, and then you went in and it said, watch, which is the verb, TV, which is the object, and the sexiness was, anytime, anywhere. And that's how they grew their business massively, just with that simple headline. So if you use that formula, if you're making handmade toys, for example, watch your grandchild's face spring up with delight. So you've got watch, which is a verb, your grandchild is the object, and then the sex part, what's going to happen as a result? Just spring up with joy and delight or something like that. Well, that instantly tells everybody on your website what, they're, what you're here for. Okay, so you've got your heading, you then need a subtitle which just says, watch your grandchild's face light up with delight. Subheading, handmade toys which are guaranteed to bring joy to your prized grandchildren or something like that. So now the subtitle tells them exactly what it is that we do on the website. And then you just have a button which says shop now and another one next to it which says find out more. And that is by far the most powerful hero section you can have on a website. Beautiful, because it drives them in one way or another, and it's not too much. Like, none of what you just said is a whole lot of words, which is another thing that I'll say. People scan nowadays, right, with whatever you have, whether it's an email or, or a website. People like to scan and do something next. And are you saying, Matt, when you say you want people to get off the homepage and dive deeper as quickly as possible. Is that kind of like an unconscious commitment to the site to keep learning? Yeah, it is. And you've got to think of everything you want a customer to do, right? So if someone's on your website, the very first thing you want them to do is to click onto another page. You're holding their hands, you're taking them on a journey. And that journey starts with, they've opened up my web page. Now I want them to go to another one because it's like they're starting to say subtle yeses. Oh, I'm a bit interested. It's like when they come to your stall, they pick it up, they start to touch it, they're looking around the different products. So they, they're on this journey. And that very first click is so, so critical, so important. So what about websites? And we're just being honest here, right? Mm -hmm. What about websites that have their products on that homepage? And the next thing is buy now. So that's the products and the buy button already right on that homepage. This conversation will continue right after a short break to hear from our sponsor. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. 
perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. Yeah, which is, I think that's fine further on down your homepage. So you've got to scroll to them. Okay. But I would say that actually, do people know enough about your products? Do people have enough confidence in you to be able to click that buy now button straight from the homepage? Or do we need to take them on a bit of a journey? Now, if you go to my e-commerce websites, then you will see products on the homepage. But bearing in mind, a lot of people come into my website are returning visitors. So what does a returning visitor want? Well, they want to get to the product they want to buy as soon as is humanly possible, and they want to buy it as quick as they can and get out of there, right? They don't want to mess about. It's a convenience thing. So by putting my products on the homepage, I make it convenient for my returning customers. If I have unique products or one-off products or crafted products that actually people buy as a one-off rather than a repeating gift, well, I'm much more interested in taking them on a specific journey, which is like, now I need to give you the confidence to buy this product, that you're actually making the right choice to buy this from me. Well, you don't do that just by shoving the product on the page and going buy now. There has to be something else beyond that. Okay, so I'm going to share with you, I'm going to try to verbalize with you what one of my websites looks like. So this is my Shopify website. Okay. And we have people coming who are brand new. They are looking for the product. Gift Biz listeners, this is the ribbonprintcompany.com website. On that site, we sell printers that small business owners can use to create their own custom printed ribbon. So when people come to the website, we have both people who are already our customers who want to buy product because they need to continually get supplies for their printers, or we'll have people come to the website who are searching and they found us and they want to know more. So they're first-time buyers. The way we're set up is when someone comes to the website, right on the top, there's a shop now button. So it accommodates all our current customers because they can then go directly to where they need to go to be shopping to just replenish what they need. But then we start the journey a little bit about we show the printers, we talk about it a little bit, but then we do like midway through Are you an existing business who might want to add the printer to your business or are you just starting out in business? And those are download documents that show how the printer could be helpful for them. Yeah. So I'm trying to accomplish two things at once because I truly have two types of visitors all the time to the website. Critique that for me if you would. What do you think of that? Yeah. Well, I'm actually looking at your website now. Oh, no. Now I'm nervous. (laughs) Yeah. I'd almost say to you, Sue, well, listen, listen, how many people come to your website do you think are first-time visitors? Realistically, do you think it's a significant proportion, maybe 70, 80%, or do you think it's like maybe 20, 30, and it's just most of the people coming back are return visitors? I'm going to say it's probably 60, 40, to be really honest. Okay. So 60% of the people coming to your website are new people. No, are returning, are returning So they're returning. Okay. So they're returning people. What you want to do, I think in your hero section, because I'm looking at your hero now, and I have to be honest with you, until you told me what it is that you did, I didn't understand that from your hero image. Okay. I would look at your hero image and go, how can I make it really obvious? And for me, what you should do on your website, honestly, is have, instead of an image as a background, You'll have seen them on websites. You know that sort of moving video? A scrolling video or just a true video? Just a video background. It doesn't play any sound. It's just a background video. And I think you could do some real simple shots, sort of showing a printer, printing stuff off, tying it. You could show the whole journey just in that video, just with inside of like 10 seconds, somebody designing something on a computer, the printer printing, the ribbon coming out, and then them tying the gift with that. And then finally, the final scene will be them giving that gift to somebody as a gift, and then they're smiling, right? So from beginning to end, I've gone from design to giving, probably in about six or seven seconds, I've shown that journey, right? That for me would be super powerful because what you're doing in your hero section is you're conveying the story of how you can help the person coming that is new. You've told them just in imagery alone, how you're going to help them in the journey. Bearing in mind, the printer is just a small part of that six or seven second clip. Right. Do you see what I mean? You've put it in the customer story. Okay. The bit that the customer is interested in is the fact that they can design, they can print, and it's all done relatively easy. 
but it's the smile. It's the gift that the person at the end getting it and smiling. That's what they're ultimately buying from you, right? They're buying from the customers who would be buying the printer, not from me. Yes. Okay. Because for me, they're buying the printer. They're buying the smiling customer at the end. Yes. Okay. That's great feedback. I don't want to turn this into a coaching Sue session. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. But that's what I would do. And then in that top section, I would actually put, you know, where you've got your books, you want to start a business or you're thinking about adding customization to your existing business. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't make those scrollable. I would put those in the hero. Oh, interesting. Okay. I would put them much higher up on the page so that when someone comes to the website, instantly they can see how you can help them. Are you looking to start a business? Are you looking to do this? Here's a free download. Do you know what I mean? And we're drawing people in. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you. I have some work to do. So give his listeners, but this is the type of analysis and thought process. Matt has just taken me through a new way of thinking about people who are approaching the website. So you can replicate that as you are relooking at your website or creating your own from scratch. All right. I do have another question for you. Sure. I have often heard that the About Us page is the most frequented page on a website. But I heard that probably seven years ago. Is that still current information? Yes, it is. And it will be especially true if you come across on the website as a small company. It's not necessarily the most visited. We always say it's the second most visited because your homepage technically will be your most visited page on the website. But your about page will definitely be in your top five. It is one of the most significant pages on your website. So you have to do a really good job with your about page. And this is where I see so many people make a mistake. It's just literally a paragraph. Like Jane was working from home and decided that she was going to start making belts for a living. And before you know it, she sold one to her uncle and now she's in a full-time business. Jane is a working mom living in Michigan. And it's like three lines. And like everyone's like, well, who cares? I genuinely, and it's no disrespect to Jane, but who cares? Why do I care about that? So again, coming from your customer's point of view, what is it about your story that's going to help them buy? They want to know about you. They want that personalization. They want to know your story, but they want to know it in a way that makes them get to know you. They want to see images. I remember a few years ago, we were looking at buying some lighting for our office and Michelle, one of the ladies that works for me, she goes, oh, I found the website we need to buy it from. And I'm like, why did you choose that website over every other website which sells lighting? And do you know what the answer was? The answer was simple because on the about page, there was a picture of their family with the dog. And that was it. That was the reason she purchased. Oh, I love that. Well, I think really this is significant, as you said, because all of the people who are listening are creating their own product. They're the soul behind the business. Yeah. So to tell the story, but why it would be interesting for the customer. And also I go back to your description. We should be talking to the customer, not third party. So it's like you saying, you know, I started this, you know, how, whatever the wording is that's right for the customer, but in person to person, not third party. Yeah, exactly. The About Us page is the page you get to let loose, put your personality on there, let it shine, let it come through. People buy people at the end of the day and you're doing crafts. You're a small boutique business. Be proud of that, right? Don't try and be something that you're not. Be small, be boutique and add your personality to the website because that's the one thing nobody else can copy. They can copy your products, they can copy the designs, they could buy from Amazon, they could buy from over here. But fundamentally, no other website can add you to that website. Does that make sense? Absolutely. This is one of the key ways you're going to differentiate is your personality that comes into that website. Don't be afraid to put it in there and just let it shine and get over the camera shyness. You take the photos, take the selfies, take the videos, just put them on there. They don't need to be perfect. They just need to be you. If you're kind of a bit quirky and a bit eccentric, put that on the website because people will love that. And if they don't love that, they'll buy from somebody else and that's okay. But the customers that buy from you will become fiercely loyal to you because your personality comes through. Does that make sense? Right. Makes total sense. Be the real authentic you and don't worry about if people are going to like it or not because you're going to attract the right people. And when you attract the right people, they're going to connect with you on a deeper level to your example about a family with the dog. Exactly. And probably stay with you longer and be a repeat customer. Oh, yeah, totally. And we all want that versus one-offs, for sure. Yeah, totally. I know now if we ever think about lighting, Shell's just going to go, hang on a minute, I'm just going to go to that website with the dog. Yeah, over. It's done. Yeah, done. <laughs> That's it. She's never going to buy lighting off any other company again, right? That's just the way it's going to be. 
And so this is the power of the personality, the power of you on the website and just bring in that true authentic you over in a way that is engaging to your customers. You win people over all day long. All right. Now, so let's say we've got our website up. We did the research early, like you said. So we feel we have a really good handle on our customer. We have set up our website with the hero page the way you say, the verb, objective, sexiness, got all that keyed in. Our website's up. We're so excited. We make it go live and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're not seeing any sales. Yeah, the big problem. (laughs) Yeah. Sue, I wish I had, you know that phrase, if someone just gave me a pound or a dollar every time someone came to me and said, I've got a website, but it's not making any money. How wealthy would I be right now? (laughs) (laughs) It is the age old problem. And it's funny because when I first started in, we're talking going back 2002, like I said at the start with our first e-commerce business, it was literally a case of you built it and they came because there weren't that many websites out there. It was easy to get found. It was easy to get discovered. But now when you build a website, you are operating in such a world of noise that being heard is difficult, but just being accidentally stumbled across, well, you've got more chance of winning the lottery. Do you know what I mean? Because people just don't do that anymore. It's a very, very different place. So we have to get a bit digital savvy to bring the right customer to our website. Because so many times we have this thing which says, I've not got anybody coming to my website, so I need to get traffic and then I'll get sales. Well, it's not really a whole lot of research that will back that up. What you've got to get to your website is the right traffic, the right customer to come. And then they are way more likely to buy, right? So how do we attract the right customer to our website? That is the million dollar question. Right traffic will go back to who you described as your customer in the very beginning. Exactly. So if you've done your research right at the beginning, and you can start to see the power of this now and doing this right at the start, that determines who you are going to go after. So I know, for example, if my ideal customer is my 35-year-old mum, well, then I need to go where 35-year-old mums hang out. I need to go and meet with them. I need to go and connect with them. If I'm going to get really advanced and start doing Facebook ads, well, I need to target my Facebook ads to 35-year-old mums, right? I don't need to target my Facebook ads to 20-year-old dads because that just is not my market. So understanding who your market is, is so hypercritical to starting to generate the right traffic to your website. Not only does that understanding drive the product, not only does it drive the website, it drives your traffic. So you want to get word of your website out everywhere. Mm -hmm. In your opinion, if you're out at a physical networking event, chambers of commerce, meetings, because hopefully someday we'll be able to be out with people again, (laughs) and you're talking with someone, should you bring them to your Facebook page or should you tell them to go directly to your website? That's a very good question. Well, let's go back to why would I be at chamber of commerce in the first place? Because if they're my ideal target market, then I'm sending them to my website, right? If I'm you at the ribbon company, I'm like, listen, if you go to my website, We've got this free PDF thing which you can download, which talks about doing exactly what you needed to do. Check it out. It's free, man. It's awesome. And they'll be like, okay, cool. So you send them to the website. Okay. And I think that's exactly what I would be doing. In fact, more than that, I would be saying to the guy at the Chamber of Commerce, listen, give me your email and I'll send you the PDF book, right? So I would take off him his email because you know as well as I do, how many times you go, oh, I'll check out that website later. And then two minutes later, you've completely forgot about it because there's so much noise in your head with everything else that's going on. Right. We're all so busy. Exactly. So I would be like, no, 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 give me your email address. I'll send that out to you. And then I'll send them an email saying, hey, it was great to see you at the networking event. Here's that PDF that I mentioned here. Check it out. Have a look. Mm -hmm. And here's a link to the website. Be great to talk to you some more. You're being a bit more proactive in that conversation. But fundamentally, you go where your customers are hanging out and you connect with them. We started a skincare brand, right? So I'm sure many of your listeners have built their own beauty products and skincare products. Okay. So we did that. We built our own skincare brand and we're like, right, how do we get people to buy this product? Okay. Now, bearing in mind, I have probably a distinct advantage in the fact that I've got a database of 120,000 customers who have already bought beauty products from me in the past. Okay. So (laughs) I appreciate I had a slight advantage. But what we did, which was because I wanted to do this thing, I want to set a challenge. How do we build traffic? Let's assume we were just starting again from scratch. How do we do it? How do we start to build it up? Here's what we did. We went onto Twitter and we had a search on Twitter, which says anybody that mentions these keywords, we want to see their tweets. And we just refresh that search every like hour to bring up who was talking about it. So we were looking for people on Twitter who would get up and go, 
oh, my skin is just looking so dull and boring today. Ugh. Do you know what I mean? Those kind of things that they put out on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And you can do the same on Instagram. You can do the same on Facebook. Okay, you do, just do these searches. And then anybody that wrote that on Twitter, we instantly sent them a message back going, oh, we know what you mean. Listen, we think we've got some products that's going to really help you. Can I send you some free samples of this product? It's specifically designed to help deal with dull looking skin. If you're interested, just send me your address as a direct message and I'll get some stuff sent out. Or if you're interested, just hit this link, put in this unique code and we'll send it all out to you free of charge. Just put your name and address and email in there and we'll send it out. No problem. Let me tell you, that was one of the most successful campaigns we ever did. Just sitting there, literally every person we connected with almost bit our hands off when we said, can we send you some samples to try? And you know, if you've got a great product, they come back and buy it. So that works super well. Right. Now, I could see where that could be really expensive to do. Yeah. You know, because you can't always send product. Did you have like those little sample packets already made up so you could literally throw them in like an envelope and send them? Yeah, we did. So we had the little samples made up. Let's say I don't have the samples. What would I do? So I go, right, well, I can't give them samples. What can I give them? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to send them a message which says, hey, listen, Sarah, sorry to hear you've got dual skin. Thought you'd want to know. I've got a video on YouTube which talks about that exact problem right? I think you'll find it super helpful. Let me know if you've got any questions. Okay. You send that message out and instead of pointing them to some samples, which I agree are costly, I can point them to a PDF. I can point them to a YouTube video. They're all very straightforward to do these days. And I'm just going to do a 20 minute video on how to deal with dull skin. And in that video, I'm going to use what my products as the demo. I'm going to talk about the benefits of moisturizers, the benefits of exfoliating, blah, blah, blah. I'll do that 10, 15 minute video. I'll put it on YouTube and then I will start sending people to it. And in that video, I'll talk about the products. And if you want to go buy the products, go check out our website. Here's a coupon for 10% off. Love it. And Gift Biz listeners, you note that he's not selling right away. He's going with a message of an offer of something that they're needing and looking for. You could do also how to take care of your jewelry, home ingredients, I don't know what the right words are, for cleaning your jewelry, different things like that, but something that's valuable then to the customer. And then Matt, what you said, so you're doing this really one by one. But then what you said is from there, if you like it or you're interested, let me know, I'll send you an offer for the product to try and move them into the product down the line, but not going from seeing their tweet to trying to sell them. You want to go see your tweet to giving valuable information and content. Exactly. You're like, okay, I'm starting the journey. You're starting to understand their story. They've got a problem. Right. Now let's go on. Can I take you to the next stage of the journey? Yes or no. That's all I'm interested in. So this is stage one. When you're at stage one, can I take you to stage two? When you're at stage two, can I take you to stage three? And you may have like six or seven stages before someone actually gets to purchase your product. That's going to vary on your product and who your customer is. But understanding there is a journey. You do have to on-ramp people, especially in the modern world. People are just tired of being scammed. And so they're a little bit twitchy. They're a little bit skeptical of just coming in and buying something straight away. I don't do it anymore. I genuinely don't. The first, before I buy on anybody's website, to be fair, I try very hard not to buy on Amazon. I always try and buy off, off other people's websites, but I'm always looking at the about page. Can I trust this person? How do I know they're not going to run off with my credit card details? Are they going to ship it? Are they actually based in my country? Or is it somebody drop shipping from China? Do you know what I mean? All these questions which come up in our heads. Right. More so now than ever. Yeah, definitely more so now than ever. With everything online. Yeah. Because we've all been bitten by it, right? You've all been on Instagram and ads come up for a product. You click on it, you buy it. And like 12 weeks later, it's still not there. You're like, what is going on? And people are becoming more and more skeptical of things like that. So you've got to understand, I need to take them on a journey, define what that journey is going to be, and just take them along it. Really important point, Matt, because I think we often think about the customer journey after they've purchased a product. But we also need to think of that prospect's journey when they've just gotten, well, we could have reached out to them, to your example, or they could have landed on the website and asked for some information. But where does that journey go from there? Quick question for you on this, and I think this has to be the last question. I'm looking at the time here. (laughs) How do you manage that back of house? Because that sounds super time consuming. How do we manage the whole customer journey? Like this idea, like Twitter or Instagram, wherever you would identify people who have a need, they've already voiced a need that your product could help them with. When you talk about reaching out to them via message, that's one-on-one contact. 
So how much time can someone devote to doing that to see any results? Or how do you work that or have your clients work that back at the house? Because there's other things to do in the day besides just that. I mean, if you're starting out, life looks very different. If you're like me and you've got a whole marketing team, it's very, very different. But if you're starting out, there's no reason. And we've done this with startups. And I love the startup. I've sat there. I've managed to get out 20 or 30 messages within the space of like 45 minutes. So while you're watching TV for now, you can whack out 45 messages, no problem. And I think it's just learning to figure out, actually, if I'm building, I need to devote probably an hour or two a day to start to build my audience. I need to do that. So you would go to the craft fair and the beauty of the craft fair, the reason you rent the table is because the craft fair are going to bring in your traffic. You're now on your own. It's like you're in that big hall. It's just you and your table. How are you going to get people to come into that big hall? And you've just got to find ways that work for you and work for your business. And for me, this direct method is a great way to start because it doesn't require any money. It just requires you just to start to connect with people. And what's going to happen when you do that, guess what? You're going to start to understand the story of your prospective customers. Okay. And even if I think, you know what, I don't want to do, I don't want to sit there and message people because that's just not me. I'm just going to go straight to do Facebook ads. I'd be like, well, that's fine. You could do that. But if you just spent like a few weeks messaging people, you would find out so much data and so much information that when you do do the Facebook ads, they are going to be so much more effective than if you don't have that information. So I think if you're starting out for me, for the first few weeks, spend at least an hour or two just connecting with your potential customers, wherever they hang out, whether that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook groups, Facebook, wherever they are, just go and start talking to them and see what information comes up. You'll be amazed what you'll find out in just two short weeks. I love that. And I'm thinking another tip to make this less time consuming could be, so you're saying, Matt, like have the journey mapped out so you know what you would say, and you might customize it a little bit based on the conversation or whatever, but you can also use that text expander on your phone so that you don't have to retype out every single thing every time. Exactly, yeah. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google text expander if you want and see what I mean. But virtually what it is, is you enter a couple of symbols on your phone and it will automatically autofill whatever you were going to say. So anything that's the same over and over again, you could use that for and that would help it not be as time consuming. The other thing I'm thinking is if you one or two hours a day, or what if you said as you advanced and were talking with more people, because I'm thinking this would compile on top of each other, because when you start talking with somebody, then they're going to respond back. So you'll need to respond back to them. So maybe you even say, you know what, for the next two months, I'm going to reach out to five new people a day and just see where that takes me. That's a really good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Just set yourself that target and do it and talk to your customers. Even if what you're doing is you're saying, hey, listen, you're driving them to a Facebook live. Do you know what I mean? And let's say I'm going to do a Facebook live once a week. Even if no one comes to your Facebook live where you're talking about the issues that your customers are facing and how you can help them, just get into the practice of doing it and the discipline. The thing about social media, the thing about marketing, the thing about the web is ultimately consistency is your key weapon right? So if you are consistent in whatever it is you do, ultimately you find a way to break through. Does that make sense? You're going to fail if you're like, well, I tried Instagram for a week and that just didn't work. Or I tried Twitter and that just didn't work. And it's like, well, how many tweets did you send? Well, I sent five and no one came back to me. Or the Facebook live thing didn't work. It's like, hang on a minute. On a startup, we've been doing Facebook lives every week for the last 12 months. And it's really only in the last I would say just before Christmas that we started to get some really key major traction. That's almost a year after starting. Now, there's been a lot of changes during that year, a lot of things that we've moved and understood as we've gone along. But had I have stopped after month two, I wouldn't have the tribe, for want of a better expression, that I've got now. Right. Plus, you've built up all that content that you can reference people back to. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This has been wonderful. So, Matt, do you have like another five hours to hang out chat <laughs> Sure, with me? why not? Let's go for it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I'm going to be conscientious of your time and not do that to you or even ask that of you. 
But share a little bit more about what you do, where people can find you, and how you might be able to help my listeners in addition to the conversation that we just had. Sure. If anyone wants to reach out, it'd be great to connect. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. They're all there. The best thing to do would be to head on over to the website, mattedmondson.com. That's E-D-M-U-N-D-S-O-N, mattedmondson.com. And you'll find all the links there. You'll find bits about me. There's, if you want to know more about e-commerce, there's the e-commerce podcast we do. Let me tell you, we've got some, I mean, some amazing stuff on there, which is all free to listen to, which is a beautiful thing. And then there's the e-commerce course if people want to really deep dive into e-commerce. But that's all on the website. Just head on over to mattedmondson.com. Absolutely fabulous, Matt. Thank you so much for all the information that you've shared with us. I think we have enlightened some people of ways they can upgrade what they're already doing, get started if that's the phase that they're in. And this has been absolutely so valuable. So thank you so much for your time today. No worries. Thank you, Sue. Oh my gosh. That was great. I'm so glad we got into the messaging and strategy behind how your website should look versus the click here, add this. But let's face it, your website can have all the technical pieces fitting just so. But if it doesn't connect when someone comes over, it's just that, over. They move on and most likely you'll never get a second chance. Matt's talked us through how to avoid this. Maybe it's worth bookmarking this episode. Just saying. So we've talked about social media posting content to organically attract customers. We've talked about your website. So when someone comes over to buy, they're attracted in and actually complete the sale. Next week, we're going to talk about putting some money behind your efforts. Tune in to hear more. Thanks so much for spending time with me today. If you'd like to show support for the podcast, please leave a rating and review. That means so much and helps the show be seen by more makers, so it's an excellent way to pay it forward. It's also best to subscribe, so episodes automatically download to your phone. That way, you don't miss a thing. How do you subscribe? Just pull up Gift Biz Unwrapped on your podcast app of choice and tap the subscribe button. It's that easy. And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you next week on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today. Today.